Good evening. Good afternoon. So the this evening's Dharma talk is uh, titled Three Existential Aspects. In other words, the three marks of existence. It's just a different name for the same thing. But I thought that might uh, uh, bring you to feel that this might be something you've not heard me talk about before. So, which of course, uh, I've never talked about this. Before. I don't think, but maybe if I have, then you might hear it again. So this is just a way of talking about the nature of existence, of the nature of being in a dynamic we call, in our tradition, we call the human realm, or the six realms, if you talk about the different um, qualities and states of mind and so on that show up relative to those descriptions. So the first one, of course, is a, what I would mention is a suffering or discontent, dissatisfaction. This is an existential aspect or a mark of being alive, uh, not, not happy, not content. Even when we are content or are relatively happy, there's always some a little idea that something might change, something might be not um, dependable, might go away. And so there's a difficulty. We're, we're dissatisfied on a, on a low key, low, uh, low key level. But then at some point, of course, we can get extremely unhappy and be in the midst of all kinds of suffering, the three types of, types of suffering, the pain of pain, which is the obvious one, this hurts, and the pain of alternation, which is this doesn't hurt now, but I think it's going to happen soon, that this, this relative uh, lack of um, disturbance uh, won't last, which of course ties into impermanence, which is a part of the existential aspect that we're going to talk about. And so uh, it's a, it's kind of a, we're kind of ganged up on by all of this in a sense. So the basic suffering is the discontent. Every human being can relate to that dissatisfaction. Sometimes Buddhism is accused of being a nihilistic because of the kind of the emphasis on that. But this comes from people who, who are locked into uh, a, an intense manipulation of what they uh, what they think is control, uh, which is basically operating uh, by virtue of having some kind of somewhat control over what relative truth and uh, not even realizing that they are at, at the totally any kind of individuation or any kind of appearance of some singularity called me and my stuff, my world is completely um, dependently arisen. It doesn't, uh, it's, 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 interdependence uh, and, and uh, takes away from any kind of idea that you, me, we, us are in control of anything. A little bit of control, not too much, a little bit, enough to, to cause us to be seduced into thinking, maybe I can really get control of all this stuff. So wanting things to be different than they are, uh, suffering, wanting something else, wanting something better, something newer, something stronger, something, uh, wanting something uh, to go away that we don't want, wanting more of something that we crave or do want or have, have desires for, some kind of grasping. Or if I only had this, uh, if I only, I would be happy if, I would be happy if. And of course, this is the relative kind of happiness that is being addressed, not only by the, the first one of these, suffering, 
but also by the, the other one, impermanence, the next one that we're going to talk about. And I'll kind of go back and forth between these, uh, these three, which are, as I haven't said it already, is suffering, discontent, impermanence, nothing lasts, all compounded things will go away. Anything that comes together is going away. Maybe not in 10 minutes, maybe not in 10 years, maybe not in 10 centuries, but it is going away because it is brought together in such a way. Insofar as its fundamental form will go away. Maybe it's deeper nature, molecules, atoms, and so on. Maybe that will just morph into something else, perhaps, but it will lose its uh, identifiable shape. So this path is an awareness path. So it is about seeing this, not about manipulating, changing anything in particular. A little bit, not too much. You get to scratch your cheek. You get to do some of this. You get to do little minor kinds of things that could be said to be control. Existential, just the aspect of, ex of existence that is recognizable as a particular, you could say category or, or form or, or uh, in the Buddhist tradition, sometimes called a mark. Uh, something that shows what this is. Discontent, dissatisfaction, disur dis dis uh, disturbance or dislike or discomfort, all the ways that you could talk about this, and then going from that to, to impermanence, that even suffering, even discontent in a certain area does not last, it goes away. This is part of the illusion. We think that because of impermanence, we think that we can um, manipulate the lack of, of uh uh, continuity of things in such a way that we can seal them up. This is what passion, aggression, and ignorance is endeavoring to do, grasping at something to keep it, rejecting something to get it to go away, to change, to be something else, to go back into the elements or whatever, and then ignoring something, thinking that if we ignore it, uh, it will not be there, but it's just waiting in the wings, so it won't go away. The very, the very ignorance aspect of the three poisons will cause that to give the illusion of Persistence, it'll, it'll still be there, more than likely. No guarantee of anything. So the dissatisfaction, happiness uh, is impermanent, goes away. Unhappiness is impermanent, goes away. And this is part of the, the, the magnetizing quality of experience that, that, that is tied in with, with uh, the experience itself, which is compounded, which will go away. The experience itself, which is uh, fraught with dissatisfaction or suffering because we are not getting what we want. And uh, all of that comes uh, moves around with the authorization of what? This is the third one of the, the three uh, aspects, existential aspects, which is there is no self. There is no solid being, no actual identity, even though it is sometimes described as in the five skandhas or the five heaps as form, feeling, perception, concept of the thinking process and consciousness of the six sense fields and the objects that come moving towards us, not even asking for interpretation, just moving towards us. And of course, the body-mind complex that we're here, it's gravity, we can feel the imputation that there's someone, something, some singularity. And there is there is a, a singularity, but that singularity, of course, is definitely arisen and gets its apparent identity singularity uh, from uh, 
from? What does it get it from? What's it, what it gets it from is ignoring the extensiveness of that dependent origination. We just pick up a couple parts of it that are useful. That caused that. She did this, therefore she's to blame, or she gets credit for that because uh, she has a beautiful voice. Oh my gosh, she has such a beautiful voice. She's, she did not create that voice. She did not create that voice. That voice was part of that situation, but there was no creator uh, situation that could be given uh, fundamental credit, nor can someone who's done something really, really horrible, like what we've recently seen uh, on the news, um, be fundamentally, fundamentally blamed for that. No one has that much authority or power, no singularity. Shows up that way, and because we want control of things, we don't want some terrible thing to happen, go by the wayside without somebody getting blamed or somebody needs to be responsible. And I'm all for that. Let's do that. Uh, but let's let's be a little bit uh, a little bit careful about when we go into what we sometimes call punishing. Just it's just it's a, it's a misunderstanding. Pretty big one. I'm not saying that we shouldn't take someone who was crazy and who is insane in terms of their own suffering and trying to get out of their suffering by inflicting that on others shouldn't be contained or possibly even fundamentally helped, as you've heard me say before, when I sometimes talk about Anders Breivik, a little bit different over there in the Netherlands where they look at those kinds of things a little bit differently. You could say a little bit more uh, humanistically, let's try to help people rather than just beat everybody up because they've done something we don't like. So it can be helpful in your practice to uh, look at these in your life. How, how does this, how does uh, suffering, what, what is your particular what, you say version or your understanding of what about your situation could you say was suffering? Does it come and go? Does it, are you completely haunted by your dissatisfaction with some kind of existential angst or, or um, anxiety that around something that we cannot understand. We don't know how to unplug that, that crazy uh, uh, aspect of the mind that keeps spinning and somehow uh, uh, abrading our nerve endings, even though those nerve endings are in, in our mental uh, faculties of perception, feeling, emotions, and so on like that. And uh, of course, what's being said from this direction of the spiritual path is, um, at least this is the way I say it, I say it, and I, I, this may be helpful. It may be it makes things more difficult for you. I have no intention to do that, but you've got it coming. I'm not saying you have it coming, but if it is coming towards you, then it is dependently risen. There's nothing to correct, but there is something to see deeply. There's something to see very deeply. And how do you see something deeply? You have to look at the surface. You can't just look into the depth because the depth... The ego mind is so interested in, in establishing itself. Uh, the third uh, aspect that there is no self in the skandhas or uh, the third uh, existential aspect that there's no solid being there. Everything is suffering. There's no solid being and all compounded things will vanish. With all of those three, three ideas, concepts, teachings of, uh, of Buddhism, is we can perhaps use some of those to help us as we do something that feels quite often as meaningless as Shikantaza, sit down, hold still, and watch the movement. Uh, quite often the mind has all kinds of commentary on that. Um, that's not to be dismissed. Uh, if you're gonna do anything, you might, if it's arising, you might wanna include it. You could at least include it by looking at it rather than 
pulling the pulling the curtain or drawing the blinds on your awareness and just trying to concentrate on what a mantra not against mantras we do them all the time i've done millions of them some of you have done millions too so no credential in that other than if you looked at something a lot then you might be in a position to comment on it a little bit so that's all i'm doing i'm just saying that's not a solution that's a way of stabilizing the mind so that you can see how uh, unstable the mind is so you could take each one of these and you could relate it to your personal uh, practice. The, the, everything is uh, unsatisfactory. You could look at the unsatisfactoriness in a, uh, uh, in a, shall we say, objective kind of way. What is there something, what aspect of that? How is that showing up for you? And then you could look at, at uh, uh, impermanence. What, what is it? Uh, how are you experiencing impermanence? Uh, and in what way are you personally experiencing it? That perhaps you, you might even think that others aren't. Maybe. Or maybe maybe they are. Uh, could be happening also. And then the third one is, what, what is what is being pointed at in the Buddha's Dharma when we talk about there's no self, there's no solid being? Because it sure the hell feels like there is. If, there, if, the, if the, the first one is suffering... Who the hell is suffering? If the second one is all compounded, things will vanish. Well, I'm still here. I'm still compounded, and it's me, and I haven't vanished yet. So it's like we can we can go back and forth with some kind of a, a chattering about this, and we may not say it to our Dharma brothers and sisters or to the teaching person or anything. We may not bring that up. It might not show up as a question, but it might show up as here's the suffering. Uh, here's the, the impermanent part. But then when it comes to looking at uh, no self, no solid being, we, we are completely uh, kind of baffled. At least I have been and still am to some extent about who is it? Who, who is it? This, if, 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 if suffering is, is uh, as is sometimes said, is a self-existing or, or it's just dependently arisen. So it doesn't have any, uh, there's no tail to that dragon. I mean, there is one, but it just, it goes in every direction. There, you can't find one singularity that is, at cause, at cause for that apparent emotion you're having, that apparent uh, idea of someone who's having that emotion. So there's the emotion uh, object, and there's the one having the emotion subject. And what's being said in a simple way, putting it in a simple way, those two are not two different things. They are dependently risen. The idea of a, of a being, a self, is dependently risen. And if you begin to see through... Uh, all three or any one of these, and you see through it deeply and clearly, you will not have a, uh, a fruition like a, a, a merit badge or, or, a, or a diploma or, a, or a, as a Trump or Jay said uh, back in the 70s, uh, one of his uh, Dharma talks was called Buddha Dharma or awakened truth without credentials. So no, no proof. Relative proof is very helpful in improving things that are that are that show up in a relative plus and minus up and down back and forth cause and effect cold and hot sharp and not so sharp but but when it comes to this uh, uh direction we we really need to go in with the awareness and see fundamentally what is true each one of us needs to do this the buddha can't do it for you the buddha can't awaken the teacher can't do it for you the sangha can't do it. the very teachings themselves if you just depend on the teachings, you'll just get more and more 
intellectual and more and more about memorizing things and trying to squeeze some kind of a juice uh, out of those concepts. And they're, they're completely dry uh, of that. They point to it, but uh, the, the arrow is not the, is not the target. The arrow is the arrow. So um, it's like, it reminds me of Coben was doing a, uh, the kendo, the kendo, the archery. I never remember those Japanese words, but he was uh, by the ocean. I think it was uh, some and uh, near in California they were practicing uh, the. Uh, it's, not, it's not kendo. It's kudo. Kudo. Is it archery? Is kudo? Does somebody can shake their head yet? You know it all's out there. So yeah. anyway, the archery. Is, yeah, and the archery is that the bow is uh, is pulled up over the head, so you don't sight. In the West, we sight down the arrow. In the and the. Uh, Japanese form is to uh, loose uh, the arrow and not really look down the, the arrow. And um, uh, and I've told this story before, but uh, uh, Coben, uh, there's targets uh, set on the beach and on uh, off in the distance is the ocean. And he, uh, there's other people there, and he when he lets the arrow fly, it flies over the targets and goes way out of the ocean. And he turns around with a large grin on his face and says, bullseye. <laughs> He was aiming for the ocean, I guess. So coming back to these three, three uh, aspects, these three marks of existence, uh, you can contemplate those and see how those are showing up and see how those show up in your own mind stream. See how, how impermanence shows up. See how, see how suffering shows up. See how impermanence shows up. And see where you're at with no self. So no self is not, it's not you, that you conclude there's no self. Uh, there's plenty of concepts that will show you how conceptually how, uh, and, and some there's some uh, writers, uh, teachers, uh, um, scholars are extremely good. It can take you into a labyrinth of concepts that is powerful and overwhelming, and may give you a lot of satisfaction by reading it. This is why quite often why people read the Dharma because they they if they sit and face a wall they don't get that, and that's uh, meditation seems kind of you know. Not getting anywhere. So then they what do they do? They return to a Dharma book and then read that over and over and over again. So we keep reading and reading. There's no self in the skandhas. What are the skandhas? Well, it's something that form feeling or not uh, yeah, form feeling perception concept consciousness do not, but they're not gone, uh, as has sometimes been said. I think the Vidyadara said it's like they're still there, but the the link between them is separate. So they they have a quality of just uh, uh, form, just functions as form. Uh, perception just functions as it's just perception. You could say it's perception only, as in the Yogacara tradition is described. But you can you can you can forget all those concepts. If you see what this is, you may have concepts to uh, you, help you communicate what you see, and you may not. But you don't need them. You don't you don't need them to reify. You don't need to keep returning to the concept to see. Do I actually see what that concept is pointing to? You you'll be. Uh, uh, I won't say you'll be certain, but there will be certainty. So let's have some questions. So this uh, this uh, particular gathering will become more interesting. You know. So you said that um, Chogam Trungpa said it's like the with the five skandhas that there's in between is snipped. So way, way of talking about, yeah. So it, is form, form, and feeling, just feeling, and perception, just perception? 
like Dokken says, firewood doesn't become ash. Yeah, very good. But doesn't, I mean, doesn't all of that depend on, on the form, the body? I mean, can you have a feeling without a body? Yeah. Wow. Yes. It's just a feeling. Uh, I, but I, it just seems like there yeah. has to be some form it does. called me to interpret all of this. No, it doesn't need to be. Can a feeling be felt without a body? Yes. Oh. We're doing it all the time. The, the imputation, we bring it together. It's, everything is, is, is just self-existing. It's just existing. And, uh, and it is completely uh, free. But we bring it together and we trap it because we want something else. Either we want more of the feeling, or we want less of the feeling, or we want to know what the feeling means, or we want to get rid of the feeling. Just the feeling is just receive. This is the way the way I teach Shikandaza is to encourage you to get you to just receive. Whatever's showing up, just receive. It doesn't point to anything else. What what is happening to you doesn't point to anything else. I'm not saying that if you you couldn't find, relatively speaking, someone who's having a feeling because of because of relative truth and our attachment, our belief, our our uh, conviction that somebody is feeling something and that needs to stop, or somebody's feeling something this and it's because of that because of that. We abandon the the we we abandon what is showing up for something else, what it means, or who did it, or why it's happening. When you're bowing, so is dependent origination also like Dogen teaches firewood doesn't become ash? Yeah. Everything all at once. That's that's Coben's you know, falling apart, falling apart, falling apart. Uh, nothing to do. Falling apart, falling apart is the uh, is a uh, is a uh, gone, 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 gone beyond, and uh, uh, nothing to do is uh, is his interpretation of awake, awake, and uh, and uh, swaha or so be it is his interpretation of that is everything all at once. It just it's just a relative way of saying there is no there's no time and space there is no there's no otherness to this. You're not separate from everything you see, which might be a little bit an outlandish statement because it because it is not something that we can that there's any kind of gravitas to it as long as we're looking for something else. But when I say you're, what you're looking for, you're looking at, I'm saying it's here. This is it. This, this is what you're looking for. And the path to that is, to, is beginning to look at all the laminations that look like something else, something else, something else, something else. Must be this, must be that. It can't be this. This can't be true. This can't be true. She must have said, she did it, I did it, they did it. I shouldn't say that. You, they shouldn't be saying that to me. And, it's, and it is a complete flood, uh, a flood of otherness that comes to us. And it's called, in the Buddhism sometimes called the 10,000 things. It doesn't mean there's one thing either. That's a misunderstanding. Okay. You're welcome. Further questions? Terry Bowling. Yes, sir. What is memory? Bowing. Memory? What is memory? 
Well, I, I, don't, I can't say biologically how it works, but it's uh, it's just uh, that that aspect of the of the of the consciousness that uh, contains something, contains, holds on to something. And the tradition is to say uh, the Aliyah Vijnana is a storehouse, so things get stored. And uh, apparently everything, anything that happens through the mind stream, apparently everything gets stored. It might not be so accessible to you, but but you have just like if I say, um, what did you, you know, we have this, everything is stored, but we, we have a little bit of access and quite often that access to that image of what happened yesterday or what happened uh, to um, like your like Fergie, who passed away, to use something really close. You have to remember vividly all kinds of things about your dog, vividly. But if I say, what happened uh, um, uh, uh, two weeks ago on Thursday at four in the afternoon, even though I've told you very precisely what I want you to remember, it would be very unusual if you could just pull that out of uh, your memory and recite what happened or describe what happened. So the, the memory has an attachment to, is attached to other, other things. And what you mem- remember may not be an actual uh, um, uh, correct description of what, of what the memory is coming from. It might be, it might be all kinds of interpretations and emotional uh, configurations around that that join in with that memory. So you may not be remembering something uh, just like you have two people in a um, out in a boat fishing or something, and and they come back in and you in- interview each one each person and see what they remembered about that fishing trip, and the, the, it looked like two different fishing trips. So it's a, it's a very slippery area from the point of view of what relative accuracy. Although we buy into that all the time, we, we even the even the court system, uh, which I don't know if they do that much anymore. I think they've realized that this isn't very workable when they have a, uh, an eyewitness. <laughs> That's like saying, we don't know what happened. So, so we're going to ask this eyewitness who thinks they know what happened, and we're going to go with what they think. But an eyewitness is always completely full of their projections, usually, maybe not always, about what something is. So as far we know, we know what it does. We don't know exactly what it is. Just like we know what thoughts do. You know, they come and they go and they show up and they seem positive, negative, neutral. But we don't know exactly what they are. The those in the science area that are that are tied into proof will tell you what it is based on uh, what they don't know. And I, I yes, you heard me correctly. They science all be all powerful and which I'm totally in favor of actually shuts out the area it doesn't know especially if it's an area that's they, they, they just don't know what to do with it it's like uh, if you ask science about um, spirit possession they will uh, they will go to the psychologist who then the psychologists say well that's that's the quirk in the mind and that's someone having hallucinations or dreams or whatever they don't go in the direction of seeing that there is actually is there are other dimensions other than what uh, what uh, uh, they're they're dealing with uh, at uh, uh, say a little bit more about there 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 is a deeper dimension other than just what uh, modern uh, science is saying there is uh, they don't want to look in that area they don't want to look in the area of uh, of um, anything that seems suspicious or that they can't get a handle on, they'll stay back away from it, and then they'll have, then they'll have projections about it. 
I keep going on, but it sounds like you have a question. So go ahead. Uh, Terry Bowling, does uh, is that this is is memory the same as remembering Bowling? Well, perhaps. Uh, how does it look to you? Uh, you're probably you probably uh, have just as much experience remembering things as I do. Terry I, I find that I'm not I'm not remembering very much these days. I remember what happened when I was four, but I don't remember much what happened when I was 44. I don't have a lot of clarity around it right now. So that's why I'm asking the question. I'm not, it, it, it feels fuzzy to me. So I don't, I'm not really, really sure. Well, the fuzziness, the fuzziness is valuable. The, the, the whole, uh, the whole, that's a, that's actually awareness about the discontinuity of that area. Part of that is because it is fuzzy. You don't remember the sharp, sharply defined events. But also the way that works is through all kinds of attribution that is that is just uh, innumerable uh, situations combined into or combined together to present ourselves with a particular memory about something. Maybe a particular, sometimes a particular dream you had uh, might be more uh, clear in your mind that's, than anything that happened in the last week. And then one last question, Terry Bowling. Thank you. Um, are all beings function at different uh, dimensions? Do they, all beings have access to that? Bowling. Thank you so much. as I understand your question, yes, yes. There's not nothing. Is there's no limitation? Uh, only only limitate. Uh, humans are limited by hope and fear, and uh, by hope for this and fear of that, or uh, the all the other things that that generate a belief in a solid being who can avoid some things and get to other things and control other things. But it, if one deeply looks into uh, the nature of the world, the nature of oneself, the nature of uh, what we call, commonly call reality, then there's a possibility of seeing that it is uh, endless, vast, unending. It's a... Uh, it, it, ha it has a, a familiarity and also a feeling of being a frontier at the same time. It's familiar because there isn't anything else but you. It's a frontier and it's something that you're not sure about where you're headed. Not two. Those are not two separate ideas that are trying to resolve. Those are fundamentally not two. Fundamentally, just like life and death are fundamentally not two different things. They, they, are, they have a differentiation, but it's not as... Uh, not as uh, strong as uh, as the one that is be being fueled by fear of fear of dying, fear of disappearing. Who you are can't disappear because it has not what appeared. That's not something I thought up. It's just something I heard uh, from uh, I don't know somebody somewhere said that, and I think it's uh, pretty accurate. Are we having any fun yet, or is this still just kind of flat material? Carl Bowing, how can we have yes. a how can we have a little bit of control? Does dependent origination have limits, Bowing? Yeah, the limits are our perception. So, like I'll show you, I I cannot suddenly, unless I'm a magician of some kind, I can create the illusion of creating things, but I cannot suddenly go 
hold out my hand and go, presto, change and have a glass of water up here. So I can't, I don't have that kind of control, but I can pick up a glass of water and put it in my hand. So I have some control, So, but it's very limited. I can get the water. The, the, the situation that seems to be challenging is that um, is I did not create these hands. I'm not saying I, I, that somehow this consciousness didn't have something to do with this, but I certainly don't remember it. If we went back to the idea of memory, I don't remember how I digested yesterday's meal, even though I digested it. So do we have control over that? You know, it's like uh, trying to have control over your, your eating habits or your bowels or your blood flow or your body temperature. You know, we have a little bit of say so, but not very much in ancient India and even modern India. Sometimes it's such an amazing thing that somebody can actually control their body temperatures. Some, uh, uh, some, uh, it's called one of the siddhis or powers is to be able to just control a lot of things that most ordinary people can't. People spend their whole life trying to get control of some part of the, of the body mind complex just because of the power there. It's not that they don't get some notoriety. I mean, if you, go into a box and somebody covers you up with dirt for a couple of days and then opens it up and you're still alive. Pretty amazing. But that's all it is. It's just amazing. It's just that you were able to uh, lift 2000 pounds, so to speak. But the, the fundamental understanding is to find out what this is rather than try to figure out ways to manipulate it to get some kind of uh, fancy result that you can uh, display to others. If you realize what this is, you will not get a reward. No one will come along and put their imprimatur or their stamp of approval on your dome. It won't happen. And you won't care if it happens or not. You're not interested in it. You don't need, you don't need a, 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 a approval for something you see as true. You just see this. You will see it. Carl Bong, I just don't see how we can have a little bit of control. I just, how can, that's as if to say that there's a vacuum where dependent arising doesn't exist or something like that. I didn't say that. A little bit of control is dependent arising. It's, you're not separate from it. it. You, me, us, we impute somebody who's moving the hand. I'm moving my hand. But what is moving the hand is also dependently arisen. It just looks like a self. It just looks like someone with a desire to move their hand. But even that, even the, the idea of someone being here is dependently arisen. And then you might say, I might say, anybody might say, well, what is it that realizes this? Is that dependently arisen? You haven't asked me that, so I'm not going to answer it. Is it? <laughs> you ready? Can you receive this without any adding any thoughts to it? No. Okay, that's the answer. No. It's not dependently risen. And thank you for being so sincere. Anything that's coming or going, showing up or going away, turning this way, turning that way, or has any kind of any kind of otherness happening to it, uh, is uh is uh, you could say it's not dependently arisen. But you can't find something like that because it has no no status. Uh, it's, uh, uh, even in, in ancient China, they referred to the, the sage or the, the wise person as a, a person with no status. 
It's like Coben's uh, saying, uh, falling apart, falling apart. What fell apart? His identity of himself. And then what was left? Well, nothing to do. He didn't say, I'm, I'm enlightened, I'm awake. He just said nothing to do. But then people who came to him and when they treated him like a, uh, like a, a teacher or like a Buddha, he immediately rose, arose as a Buddha. He, he didn't deny the dependent origination that was showing up in the palm of his hand. Maria Bang. Yes, Maria. What is that feeling of being a frontier that you just mentioned? Bang. Uh, it's both scary and not scary. It's exciting and it's boring. It's bright pink and it's dull gray. It's, it's just that kind of a situation. It, no matter how it shows up, that's how it is. No matter how it, what it shows up, no matter how it shows up, it's just the same thing. It's the equality of sameness and difference, sandokai. That's why it's so seductive to the ego mind. The ego mind is in search of something, something valuable, something they need to do, something important to do. And if you come this way, I'll say, I've got something you could do that's important. Find out who you are. Don't wander around stumbling into things, trying to figure out what's right, what's wrong, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. Get your, don't get your identity from anything other than uh, awareness. And that won't be exactly an identity, a little bit. Have a few minutes left if there are any further questions. Did, did I understand you to say that what we project is not dependently arisen? Did I say that? What? I'm trying to understand what you said to Carl, that something was not dependently arisen. What is it that's not dependently arisen? That was my interaction with him. So if you can remember what happened between and Carl, uh, when Carl and I talked and just recite that. Maybe Carl can remember it. Or maybe Terry can, because Terry likes memory stuff. <laughs> So just uh, let me say it to you this way. I'll, I can help you. What is it you want to know? What is it that you want to know about? And then that will give, if you say that, then then that question I can uh, possibly respond to in a way that will be direct enough so that you'll, you'll have maybe have some understanding of what's being pointed at. Is there anything that isn't dependently arisen? No. Isn't that what I told Carl? <laughs> Aren't you going to challenge me or something? <laughs> <laughs> what yes. Is, what is it that is aware? So uh, a way of saying that is that awareness is the path and, and, and wisdom uh, is the fruition. But wisdom is just a word for something that has, uh, has no substance to it, it has no otherness to it. It, it, is, it, is like, it is likened to the space in which things occur, or like it's, it's, a, it's like the sky. The sky doesn't do anything. It just, it just makes room for the clouds to come and go. It doesn't even make room. It just doesn't object to them, doesn't agree with them, doesn't do anything. So it's like 
it's uh, this is why the teaching of uh, of shunyata or emptiness uh, is as a, as a as a teaching is helpful to allow encourage help people to work with what seems so solid and real that is empty of our imputation or ideas about it gives us some kind of a, a place to work with with that. But awareness is the is uh, is the the intention to the intentionality of it to thoughts arise to be aware of what's coming and going in the mind stream, not to add on to it. That's more about producing production. Just just receive awareness is a, a re receiving aspect. It's like the sky receives clouds. To continue to use that metaphor. You say a lot, not two, but you say it's not one. Yeah. So what? What are you accusing me of? Saying not two, but not one. <laughs> okay, you got me there. <laughs> so, uh, what is it that is aware? What is not one about that? Again, what is not what? What is not one about that? Or like a whole, imagining that wisdom is a, a whole that is not distinct has no distinction. What is it? What is what is it that one doesn't fit that? Is that giving you some trouble? Are you, are you looking for something else? What do you want to know? Why don't you come back and thought and say, I thought I just asked you that. <laughs> you say i don't say one a lot of spiritual teachers say the one but we're all one they do and and great teachers say that yes they do so what is we're it all one or about not two yeah. is not one not two is a is a way of using uh as is uh, sometimes even said via negativa, that we use a negativity, a negative approach to see more deeply into what this is, because the ego mind, the self-centered mind, is so power has a, such powerful cause and will grasp at some conclusion, and if it concludes anything, it will stop looking, it will stop, it will stop investigating. But if you say not two, then the very two-ness of everything, the very obvious otherness of things becomes uh, uh, turns it more uh, uh, causes it to be more magnetizing causes us to look closely well it's like the ego mind so well yes it is it is too it is i'm here everything else is over there what is this so then if there's some inspiration around that to look deeply we will begin to look into the fundamental nature of the two-ness whereas if you say we're all one then that's a conclusion then and when we conclude we're all one then all investigation stops I'm not saying that that the investigator doesn't stop. There's still some investigation, but it happens on a level of concepts about the oneness. And whereas uh, not two, uh, the, the non 
uh, non-tuness in there will not necessarily uh, magnetize a lot of thinking process. It, it'll be more about trying to see what this is, see deeply what this is. You follow me a little bit or you have further question about that? Um, I know that was really helpful. So it's, it's not assertive, being assertive and saying the one is abandoning what you need to look at. Yeah, it's, a, it's preferring a, a conclusion uh, rather than preferring a further looking into the forest, looking into the darkness between the trees, risking, you're risking seeing red eyes look back at looking back out at you, risking the fear. A fear of the unknown is powerful to someone who has not realized their true nature. Even if they have kind of realized their true nature and have made, as sometimes said, progress on the path, which could be a good point to one of the, the 10 boomies, possibly. I don't teach out of those. I mean, I don't ignore them either. I, I, I've studied them to some extent and tried to find a way to use that structure, but it is not linear. And that's why it's somewhat difficult to use that. Uh, the boomy or the, the 10 stages on the path. So, but yes, as soon as you conclude anything, that's why enlightenment is not a conclusion. You know, several ways of talking about that. Yuhung has a question. I'm reading it. So home is birth and death. So uh, bowing. So home is birth and death, right? Bowing. So home. home. Did I read that right? Home. If you join me. So home. You're not speaking in Mandarin, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that to me. So home is birth and death. I'm, I'm not sure. It sounds a little esoteric. I'm not sure if I'm understanding. Can you can you paraphrase that possibly a little bit, Yuhan? You home bowing. Sure. Uh, before before your Dhamma talk, I, I was listening to something. So they mentioned the home idea. And just you mentioned to um, Kozan's question, uh, the one, not two. And then just this came to me, um, which, which is, which gave me the courage. So that's why I asked you sort of asking the um the re, re, uh, re, maybe a re confirmation, something like that. That's why I ask. Bye. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go and address your question as I understand it, and I would say yes. It is. Shoto bowing. Yes. A line in the sutra coming up for me, the meaning is not in the words, yet it responds to the inquiring impulse. Did yes. Yes. Is there meaning that comes up along with the words? Well, yes, uh, the words, we, we, need, we need the words, but the words are just the words. And, and they're, they're, the meaning is not, you can't, you can't bring... Uh, truth out of the words, but the words may inspire you to look more deeply into the way in which you're relating to your experience. The stone woman gets up dancing, the wooden man begins to sing, or the, or the one you just uh, uh, quoted there, the meaning is not in the words, yet uh, uh, Yet there, uh, there is, uh, uh, how does it say, the response, uh, the in inquiring impulse, how was that worded? Yes, that was it. Yeah. So 
we're, we're looking into something, we're inquiring, and impulse may may show up there. There's, there's usually some kind of impulsive around that, but that even the impulsiveness is not, we don't have to get rid of that. You just have to be aware of that it's happening. It's always about awareness, always about awareness until the awareness is no longer separate from anything. It's not separate from a black shirt or, or a green tree. It's not separate from, from a, 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 a dessert plate or a pile of uh, a horse manure. Separated, yes, but, but the differentiation is, is uh, obvious. But the fundamental situation is not different. That's why it's incredibly, it's like magic to see. If you begin to see what this is, it's like, like a magical world because you realize it's illusory and this is very temporary. You're only here for a short time insofar as this manifestation. But you, you've all, when I say I'm not accusing you of anything and perhaps you know, you've never been here before, I don't know. I'm not writing some kind of spiritual uh, autobiography about or a biography about you or anyone i'm just saying um this has no beginning it has beginning and it's compounded and then it vanishes it compounded then it vanishes it's compounded then it vanishes but who you are is not going anywhere and you've been watching this and getting stuck to the uh, what's compounded and then getting stuck to what spanish vanishes and i would say see what it is and uh and you, you may get stuck you may not but less likely and if you do then that will just help you see how to help others keep coming back into this realm over and over again Maria Bowing. perhaps you you gave a, an answer to this question um, when you responded to Kozan but uh, I will ask it anyway um, this is the quote from Dogan we read today uh, wind banner movement exist without the mind. How do they exist without the mind? So could you read that quote again? Yes. Uh, wind banner and movement exist without the mind. Bowing. You want me to explain that to you? Yeah, I would like to. I would like to know, understand how they exist without the mind. What kind of existence it is? It's exactly as as Dogan is saying. It's not, there's no there's no esoteric meaning to that. They exist without the mind. What is the mind? What is the mind? The mind is, the mind is, uh, well, I ask you a question, I should probably let, let you respond. Go ahead. Uh, no, the reason I'm asking it, because it seems to me that mind is something which is allowing me to perceive and name something as wind, movement, and uh, banner. Um, and this, in this way, I create the existence of it as I understand it. So um, Dogan is talking about different existence than I understand and I'm asking. So, you know, it, it might have another kind of meaning. I, maybe if we looked at the, uh, at the 
the uh, the characters, or maybe if we looked at what, how that was translated, or who did the translation, or looked at another translation, we might have another idea. But my understanding of it is the the wind, the banner, uh, and the movement are the mind. That that is mind. So it, you could say it exists without the mind, but it's existing without the concept of mind. You know, he's very, uh, Dogen is very uh, uh, tricky in, in a similar way to Trungpa Rinpoche in that he was able to uh, talk out of both sides of his mouth, the relative side and the absolute side. So he could say one thing and have it have an absolute meaning and a relative meaning, and they would be, they wouldn't be at war with each other, be a, but, but to one reading that, there could be a lot of tension there. They're thinking this is very ordinary, and yet it's profound. It's very ordinary, but it's very profound. And we, we continue to stretch ourselves that direction until we re realize that, that relative and profound are not two different things anymore. Uh, just like sacred and profane or heaven and earth or uh, life and death, polarity, Buddhas and sentient beings. Thank you. Um, context around that, around that area, he says, it isn't your mind, it's you. <laughs> okay. Michael Bowing. Does the meaning exist without the words? Damned if I know. That's really puzzling to me. I don't know. <laughs> if you find out, let me know. Well, doesn't the wind exist without my feeling it? Uh, only when you're sleeping. <laughs> so a whole idea of existence, non-existence. Uh, uh, not that we couldn't talk about that conceptually. It's a good way to talk about it. It's also very, very important to begin to work with this in our own consciousness, face the wall, train train your mind to see clearly so that when you run into these kind of concepts, uh, you, uh, me, we are able to see deeply into what is being pointed at here. Because the ancient teachers of the past, including the Buddha, including Dogen, uh, understood something and they're endeavoring to do use relative language to, to encourage you to point to an, a, a, an, a deeper aspect of reality than just the grasping, rejecting, shutting down, hope and fear, passion, aggression, and ignorance that happens in in the, the ordinary mundane world that most most of society is dealing with. Us. We're all raised in this. We were conditioned to this. So to run into this kind of a path uh, is going to take some, some work, some time to work on this and to look deeply into relative truth, to see the 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 uh, that whole contraption called right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, success and failure, all of relative truth, and see that it, that the relative it gets its name, it gets its meaning. It's not that the person who murdered the people uh, in Boulder isn't extremely confused. I wouldn't call them evil, but extremely terrified and upset person who doesn't know uh, how else. But you don't know you don't know how, what the causes and conditions are there. And so what we end up doing is we end up punishing an an individual was just the leading edge of an incredible amount of um, passion, aggression, ignorance, fear coming out of coming out of his family, coming out of his culture, coming out of centuries 
of obstruction and uh, and manipulation and torture. I'm not I'm not uh, making excuses for him at all. I'm just saying it's dependently arisen. You can't find uh, any culprit anywhere for anything. And at the same time, I would say everybody's responsible for everything because you're seeing it happen. You're seeing this happen, and yet instead of instead of being responsible for what happens. We call responsibility blame, and then we blame someone, and then we punish them, and then we ha- we don't have to look at it anymore. But you can't have a sometimes say this. And I, I don't mean to be disrespectful to all the people who are killed. Of course not. It's a horrible thing, heartbreaking to see the, the the you know one day they're fine just shopping at the grocery store, and next day they're gone because some uh, crazy, insane, aggressive force came in and took their life away. It's a terrible situation. But the dependent origination is extremely extensive around this. I mean, you could take it, uh, to say you could take it a hundred different directions for causation, and you would not be, you would not be overloading the situation. Just one of them could be our culture that, that pro- protects something like that. Uh, and not, not what happens is people go to just the firearms. It's like, okay, I'm not against that, but there are other things that could be looked at, like the psychology that that supports and creates uh, and doesn't help a person who's having that kind of a struggle, fundamentally help them. Uh, when I was young, there were actually places, and I'm not saying they did a good job, but there were places where people were that were having a lot of difficulty with crazy or were just having a lot, they had actually had places that they could go hospitals or whatever you call it. They don't have those anymore. That I know of, they just uh, and like like we sometimes see, if you call for help, uh, they'll come and shoot you instead of helping you. So it's, uh, it's uh, there's uh, there's a hundred fingers pointing in every direction about this happened, that happened, but this and this and this and this and this. Uh, how this person was treated when he was younger, uh, how he's treated uh, in a in an apparent apparent capital A, so you don't have to go off on a tangent. As I say this in a parent past life, consciousness is not separate. The body keeps keeps the illusion of separation, like you're having your thoughts. Um, all you have to do is watch a, a two-year-old and see they're already they're already there. That being who has a temper, who has this, who has that, and you can blame it on heredity. Uh, you can take anywhere to explain it, but I, I recommend you don't explain anything. But you don't take your eyes off from it. You look at dependent origination happening with a, a, a small child and see that that three brothers and sisters all at function totally differently as if they had incredible case histories that were showing up before they even came into this world. Just something to consider. Uh, I'll take one more question if there is one, and if not, we can just uh, um, we can just close. You Hongbaoing, you mentioned that um, be who you are, yeah. How can we be who we are in the human realm? So, as a meditator, this might not be able to do this right away, but as a meditator, I would recommend that you you. Whatever difficulty that you're trying to get rid of, or push away, or cover up, or or do away with, or you don't want to be there, I I would recommend that you that you go and look at that closely, 
So be be the be the negativity you're trying to get rid of, so that you so that you have an incredibly and close, intimate and subjective relationship with that. In my case, what I had to work with over many many years is my incredible rage and temper. It was very difficult for me to to, to deal with that, but I, I, that's the only way I could do that is to go directly into it as my teacher told me to do, and which I did. And I continued to do it until I got some kind of understanding of what it was. And it's not particularly gone away, but it's no longer uh, it's no longer an obstruction. It's just an aspect of dependent origination that shows up a particular way. It's like you can't kick all, kick all the cactuses out of the desert. I know not a very good metaphor, but it's like that. You don't have to get rid of things. You just have to realize what they are and they have a function there in the way that they are. And your, your uh, uh, difficulty and your mind stream that, that you might want to get rid of or you object to, I would say Trungpa Rinpoche's way of talking about this was didn't give, it, give you much instruction, but it was just, you would say, make friends with yourself. Make friends with that aspect of your mind that seems kind of immature or childish or rather than try to cover it up or be better. And it's good because the ego mind just feeds on that being better, getting better, improving. I'm doing so well. It's not that, that that is incorrect. Of course, you might need some of that, but we tend to we tend to overdose. And this is what the whole advertisements is constantly yammering at us about. You need to be more beautiful. You need to be more this, more that. You need more of this. You need this food. You need this medication. This you need this meditation. You need to, there's that's why I say. Don't use meditation apps. They are trying to sell you things, and they're, uh, the, these smartphones eventually are going to be able to practically read your thoughts and tell you, what you how you should live your life. Uh, if you think if you haven't heard about Big Brother, uh, it's not only Big Brother that's coming. Uh, it's Big uh, uh, Emperor is coming, and will take over everything. Is that wrong? I don't know if it's wrong or not, but I recommend that you find out who you are as soon as possible, which might be, you know, this lifetime might be the next lifetime. You can buy. Does it make some sense? Go yes. ahead, Young. Yes, you can buy. Yeah, you sort of answered my second question. I was going to ask you, uh, how can you make good use of uh, being who you are uh, in the human room? Yeah. And so it's a, the, the, what is the algorithm or formula uh, for what we're doing here, it's been around 2,500 years. The Buddha, the teaching person, what is being taught, which is basically the Buddhist teachings from 2,500 years ago, and uh, um, and the the community. We get to, we have a a wonderful uh, uh, example of this. One of the best ones I've seen is as uh, uh, Zoom has kind of helped create this. It's the downside of the pandemic, and this is the upside of the pandemic. A strong community where people get together and discuss this material. Quite often, as you know, in all these book studies, there's probably a dozen of them that we are tied into here and there. Uh, I'm I'm there part of the time, but m most of the time it's just Sangha talking about uh, traditions from the third century or the second century uh, or or uh, uh, 50 years ago, uh, talking about the teachings and, and relating to people in the in the community, in the spiritual community, to help each other, support each other in each in our awareness practice, so we can see more clearly 
how to live an uplifted and sane life, if not actually attain uh, realization, but at least live uh, in a, a way that is, has uh, less aggression. Fine. Uh, sorry, one more question. Is re-remembering uh, practice? Is what? Is re-remembering practice? Remembering? Is a, yeah, is that a practice? Yeah, that can show up uh, lots of different ways. Remember, In our situation, remember the vows. Uh, refuge in the Buddha, refuge in the Dharma, refuge in the Sangha. Vow to do good, vow not to do harm, vow to be with all things. And then the 10 prohibitory precepts, which I can't remember. But you guys can. <laughs> and you should. You can even remember that you forgot. That's not a bad kind of memory. When you get to be 80 years old, you get to practice that a lot. <laughs> so not to kill, not to steal, not to tell lies, not to, uh, uh, not to gossip. Uh, I mean, uh, not not to get angry, but in our tradition, we don't. They're not commandments that you have to do. They're things you observe. As my teacher, uh, my Zen master Kobuchino Roshi said, "You don't take vows. You observe them. You observe the vow, not to kill. Don't take life. But if you're going to live, you're going to have to take life of some kind. You can't help. You can't live and eat uh, dead trees. You you have to." take the, something's life and that is and it doesn't say what so some people like to eat carrots they should they should eat carrots some people can't live unless they eat um animals and i'm one of those i would not be here if i just if i was a vegan or a vegetarian i would have died years ago and i'm not kidding you so but that's that's depends on your. That's why I don't. I think following some kind of a protocol is some people are just fine eating, but you should be allowed to proceed. Just like some people are fine meditating and living in a monastery, and being monks and meditating all day long every day. But everybody shouldn't be doing that. Some people just meditate two or three hours in a week. That's enough. The way I see this as a Dharma teacher. I endeavor to meet you, uh, you hung or anyone else where you're at as much as I can so that I can help you where you're at. And I can't tell where you're at unless if I'm giving you laws and rules and kind of encouraging you to do this, not do that, that I have to do it. It's very mutual. The way I teach is much different than my teachers taught. Uh, I, I teach out of what I see in front of me in terms of how, how you're doing. You tell me, you let me know how you're doing. And then I see how much permission, not permission, I know I have permission if you're a student of mine, but how much permission I have is in terms of what you're really ready to hear and what it's better for me not to particularly talk to you about because you're, you're not really, really ready to hear that kind of a teaching. So it's mutual, it's dependently arisen, and there's no self in the skandhas, neither over here nor over there. I know that, you don't. I'm not accusing you of anything, but you think you're somebody. Otherwise, you wouldn't even be here. Why would you, if you under, if you saw your true nature and were realized, why would you come to somebody like this? Unless you wanted to uh, come to just be supportive. That might be true. Just be supportive. Thank you for the questions. So are we ready to... 
If you value the teachings of Sokozan and you would like to support his teaching work and the functions of Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, which also supports monk and practice residents, please consider giving a donation by visiting our website at sokokoji.org.